It's Tuesday at 8pm and you're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Good evening and you're very welcome to this week's Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and coming up on the show tonight... Helen Cook from This Winding Life returns to talk about her favourite bread, and it isn't sourdough. And at the end of the programme, Eamon Lynch tells us about his new venture, Sprig Cookery School. But before we hear from Helen, let me remind you how to get in touch with me here at The Best Possible Taste. You can make contact by emailing me, s.noonan at live.ie, or you can tweet me at Queen of Org, as in Queen of Organisation. And I'm also on Instagram at Sharon J. Noonan. So our regular contributor, Helen Cook, is back tonight to talk about her favourite bread, and it isn't the one that has been in the spotlight over the past 12 months. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Helen, you're very welcome to The Best Possible Taste. It's been a while since we last spoke. How are you keeping? I'm keeping very well, Sharon, yeah. Keeping well in lockdown and keeping myself busy with all of my projects and with cooking and baking. So, yeah, very good. Thank you. And we've had fantastic news of late, so we're going to break out in another couple of weeks. But before then, you want everybody to just finish up the final bits of, of begging at home because begging obviously has been hugely popular over the past 12 months and your bread of choice is soda bread. It is Sharon. I, I never jumped on the sourdough bandwagon. I think I'm just, you know, for all of my love of bacon and cooking, I actually am not a very patient person and I just happened the patience to do the sourdough and I tried it a couple of times and I let the starter die and I forgot about it for a couple of days and on it went. I've always loved soda bread, mostly because it's just so quick and easy and anybody with a pair of hands can make soda bread, you know, and children can make soda bread with you. It's a great, great bread. Um, so quick, so easy, so tasty, very good for you. And it's an oldie, but a goodie. Do you like it yourself, Sharon? Well, I think the first time I ever had Irish soda bread was whenever I was a teenager in the Whale Talk in Donegal, because in Northern Ireland, soda bread is a bit different. It's more like a soda farl um, that's done in the griddle and, you know, you slice through it and you have it with your Ulster fry. So I can remember being in the the Banatee in the, the, the house that we were staying in and the the woman of the house, the vanity, was going absolutely do lally because she couldn't keep us in the soda bread because we were just eating it like it was going out of fashion. You'd have thought we hadn't had a bite to eat in our lives before, and I absolutely loved it. Um, no, she didn't teach us how to make it, but of course, since then, I have discovered that you can have sweet versions, you can have savoury versions, and there actually is a place in Limerick City called So Delicious which um, the owner, Jean, has a passion for soda bread like yourself. So that's one of her specialities there. And she's been shortlisted for a few different awards. But tell us about your soda bread and your recipe. Yeah, well, I mean, I keep it very, very simple, right? So, you know, your basic soda bread is, you know, about 450 grams plain flour, a half a teaspoon of sugar or salt, a half a teaspoon of your bicarbonate of soda, and then three 
four or five hundred mils of the buttermilk that's something you have to kind of figure out yourself over time with the wetness you know of the bread so you want it to be you know you want the ingredients dry ingredients to come together and you want it to be a little bit kind of wet and sticky but you don't want to overdo it so you kind of to suss out the flour that you're using and there might be a bit of trial and error on that and also remember if you don't have buttermilk you can sour milk by putting lemon into the milk and it'll sour the milk and leave it sitting out on the counter for a half an hour or something before you go to make it and that'll sour the milk and it'll have the same effect because really what it is that the basic science of it is as you know Sharon is the reaction between the bicarbonate of soda and the acidity in the buttermilk or the sour milk that's what causes the, the bread to kind of rise up and actually you know it isn't a traditional bread insofar as it really only came in to fashion in the Victorian times because bicarbonate of soda wasn't invented until 1830. So it's not this ancient bread that maybe some of our American friends or whatever might think it is. It's a relatively new bread, but I suppose it took off extremely quickly in Ireland for a number of reasons. It, it, this type of bread, it suits the soft kind of wheat that we grow here, that the Irish climate grows. Um, you can sometimes harder wheats apparently are better for yeasted breads, whereas the soft kind of Irish wheat makes you know a lovely soda bread. And also the fact that it needs virtually no equipment, like you just mentioned, you know, lots of people used to bake it in a griddle, you know, bake it in a pan. So, and it doesn't need proving, it doesn't need any of that messing. And I think when hard times were hard in Ireland in the late eighteen hundreds and into you know the early nineteen hundreds, it was quick nutritious and women let's be honest about it that was who was doing the bacon they could fire out loads of them like you were a hungry teenager there up in Donegal they could fire out them out you know to keep a family fed so that's kind of where they come from um so that's you know that's the kind of background to it why why I like it Sharon is I think it's so versatile I think it's so versatile as you said you can make sweet or savory so you can kind of make a type of cake or a sort of a breakfast soda bread, I like to think of it, if you have a sweet tooth in the morning like I do, it's lovely with, you know, butters and jams. Or you can make a more refined, you know, savoury upmarket soda bread that I've actually served at dinner parties, when we could have dinner parties, of course, um, as a nice, you know, as a nice bread to have with the soup or to have with the, you know, little meze or to have like with little, with little nibbles. So which will I start with, Sharon? Sweet or savoury? What's your favourite? Well, before you do that, I just wanted to make a comment about the flour. You mentioned about, mm. you know, the, the Irish flour because we had a huge shortage of flour in, at one point in the last 12 months because of the pandemic, because of Brexit, because of lots of different reasons. And it's it's great to see that there are a number of farmers starting to, to grow the wheat now because they've recognised there's a huge opportunity to, to get back into Irish flour now. So over okay. the years, the production of that must have declined or else there was a greater demand for it that we couldn't we couldn't um, fulfil. So look, let's start with savoury and then we'll move on to sweet. Okay, well, that's great, by the way, to hear that. You know, it's always great to hear about Irish farmers stepping into the stepping into the market. Uh, savoury, okay. So let you can tell me which of these now catch your eye, but these are my three favourite. Uh, sun-dried tomato and crumbled feta, walnut and blue cheese, bacon, cheese and spring onion. 
I would be really spoiled for choice, Helen, if I was in a restaurant and they came over with a bread basket and, and said these were the three different varieties that they had. I'd, I probably want one of each, to be <laughs> honest. But let's look at the blue cheese and walnut because that sounds really different. Yeah, that, that's a really nice one. Um, I first saw that recipe, um, Paul Hollywood. Um, he does a lot of soda breads, actually. Um, Paul Hollywood from the Great British Bake Off, people might know him. And I, I stumbled across that recipe of his, um, I think in one of his books, and I tried it out. And it's absolutely fabulous. And the great thing about this is, Jared, there's no real recipe. Like, if you stick to that basic recipe that I said earlier, and just by eye, you know, just crumble in, mix in these little bits and pieces, and it just changes the bread completely. And the blue cheese and walnut, it's, it's, it's tangy, you know, it's pungent. You've got the bite of the walnut. It's absolutely fabulous with soups. It's fabulous just even to have with a scrape of like lovely butter, you know, lovely Irish butter. And it goes fantastic like with the, if you were having a little plate like with maybe, you know, your, you know, salamis or pastramis and a few little nibbly bits like almonds or different bits and pieces or olives, it's absolutely delicious. The only thing is it doesn't keep that bread because of the blue cheese you know, been mixed through with the flour. It is one that you would need to eat on the night. It doesn't cold very well, which of course you're going to eat it on the night. Absolutely. You know? you're, you'd be making that one for an occasion with maybe a couple of friends, as you say, when yeah. times permit. Um, and it's it sounds absolutely fantastic. Is it the same then with the feta and the sun-dried tomato? Would you have to eat it on the night as well because you have the feta cheese in it? Yeah, it, it might hold a little bit better. I think it's just the way that once you cook through the blue cheese, you know, it's cooked in with it. Um, you could kind of keep an eye on that one and see yourself. Um, but definitely the, the bacon and the cheese and the spring onion, that one would hold better because you'd just be using um, normal like grated cheddar cheese into that. And you can do lots of variations on that. Like I think Jarena Allen, I think the Ballymaloo, they have a nice, I think they call it cheese and herb Um soda bread like you can use whatever you have to hand like if you have fresh rosemary you know you could have fresh thyme there that you might want to use up and you know just snip it up with a kitchen scissors or, or chop it up fine sprinkle it through your mixture grate in your cheese if you are using the bacon of course you fry off the bacon bits first you could pat them down with a you know a bit of kitchen paper or something if you want to take out the excess oil and just crumble it all through and away you go, like, I mean, just, could you imagine that now with fried egg in the morning or something, just delicious. Absolutely, and I'm just thinking about some of our West Limerick producers. Obviously, we have the Cattle's Cheese here, and then we have the Rigney's Farm that do fantastic rashers, so you could make a lovely West Limerick soda bread. Absolutely, there you go. Ingredients. Yeah. yeah, that would be absolutely yeah. delicious. And then if we're looking at a sweet version. Yeah, well, the sweet version, now they're a bit... They can be a little bit, uh, you know, I think marmitey with some people. It depends on what you put in. Now, I do know my good friend, Graham, of the Cupcake Bloke or the Bakery in Dublin. Now, he doesn't always do it, but he, he quite often does a white chocolate and raspberry, uh, fresh raspberry soda bread, which is absolutely divine, divine. Um, it's just chunks, Sharon, chunks of white chocolate chips and fresh raspberries all the way through and I mean if you just lather that with a bit of butter I mean 
I had one day I just I must have ate about a quarter of it all in one sitting. It was delicious. And, and I'm not a fan of white chocolate. I'm not a fan of white chocolate, interestingly. And tell me, is that more like a cake than a bread? Or no, is it, it still is a bread, but it's a sweet bread. And I think, you know, for people who might not be fans of that, like I grew up, you know, in you know, when I grew up in Niche, you know, my grandmother often made kind of you know, current like she used to call them kerny cakes or, you know, kind of kerns ra- and raisins. And they were a type of a bread, you know, she used to make. Um, if you're a fan of anything like an Oxford lunch or, you know, any of those kind of, even those yeasted breads with, with that are kind of sweet, you, you'd like this as well, you know. A couple of my favourites would be slightly different than, than the other one I mentioned would be hazelnut and chocolate chips in the soda bread. Um, is absolutely delicious. Now, I love nuts and chocolate, absolutely love that combination. So you can break down your hazelnuts a little bit, like you can give them a small blitz in like a, a little mini chopper, not too much. Now, you don't want them to be like dust. You still want them to have a bite or you could just roughly chop them with a knife just so they're not too big and your handful of your favourite chocolate chips, in you go, Bob's your uncle, yum, yum, yum. Well, love yeah. it. They all sound like fantastic recipes. And I presume you can, you know, if you did have a couple of extra slices, you could you freeze them? Yeah, you could freeze them. Yeah, absolutely. You could freeze them like any kind of bread. I said the only ones I would kind of watch out for would be like that blue cheese and that feta cheese, you know, I would. But no, the other ones, like a couple others I had there, like caraway seed and currants, that one's really different, really nice. Um, cranberry and orange which is just where you would use like a bit of orange juice or the rind of an orange to give orange flavor and then just put like dried cranberries into the bread. So those type of ones that freeze perfectly for you, absolutely. Or just keep them wrapped up. Soda bread keeps well. So just wrap it up well in cling film or beeswax or whatever you use and it'll keep for a few days. And you can always toast it then if it's getting a bit like it doesn't, it's not at its freshest. That's what toast is there for, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. And the cranberry and orange version sounds like something very festive. It'd be nice to have around Christmas time. It would, yeah. That would be a nice one. You could have, like as you said, like for Christmas, for Christmas breakfast or just have kind of around the house. And yeah, it would be nice. And some of those, you know, like even maybe the caraway seeds and currants, like, you know, dried fruits and cheeses go well together. So you could, like, you could have a slice of that with some of your favourite, you know, Irish cheeses on top, just as like a little snack or a little, a little tapas or a little something like a little starter. Do you know what I mean? Because I, I love like, you could also experiment like with dates or with figs, you know, those kind of fruits as well. And those that go really, really well with cheese. So if you put those into your soda bread mix and then put your little cheese on top, it could be really nice. Well, I think for the times that we're living in now, even to drop a loaf of that to a pal or a loved one, um, if people are barbecuing to have it there, like it is a very versatile food. It is. And, and as I said, like it really, really just is so quick. I mean, if there's no, like if you, if you have a hankering for fresh bread or homemade bread, you, you won't get quicker or easier than a soda bread. That is the truth. And you don't, and, and you need such like, little ingredients like if you have a bag of flour in the cupboard your bicarbonate soda in the cupboard they'll keep forever you know you just throw it together then I said never worry about the buttermilk you know sour your milk with your lemon if you don't have buttermilk to hand or you're not popping out to the shops and you know you could be really impress your friends be like I baked this earlier you know 
I'm, I must give it a go now whenever we can have them them round in the garden. Um, thanks a million for for sharing all of that with us Helen you're going to be back next month and you're going to be talking about books with a food theme or books that are specifically about food it's not just going to be recipe books no no there's some great books out there you know that have different you know themes around food or you know for anyone that's just interested in reading but also likes food I'll put together a nice list and maybe you might be able to pick one or two for sort of summer reading this summer yeah well listen lovely to catch up with you again as always mind yourself and we'll talk again soon okay sharon thanks so much you're listening to the best possible taste on west limerick 102 fm Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and just before the break, Helen Cook from This Winding Life was talking to us about soda bread and its versatility and I hope you have been inspired to try out some new versions yourself. But if you're just tuning in now and you missed that, you might want to catch up on The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM when it's repeated on Wednesday mornings at 8am. And the podcasts are available to listen to on SharonNoonan.com as well as iTunes and the podcast app. Now our next guest is Eamon Lynch who recently founded Ireland's newest cookery school. Sprig Cookery School has just announced a brand new series of fully interactive online cookery classes which involves collaborating with some of the best names in the Irish food industry. I spoke to Eamon earlier to find out more. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Eamon, you're very welcome to the programme. It's lovely to meet you. You're based up in Dublin and you have a new venture, Sprig Cookery School. I do. Yeah, very nice to meet you too, Sharon. So before we get into more detail about the cookery school, tell us a bit about yourself and your background. Are you from Dublin? From Dublin, yeah. Born and bred. Um, and worked in Dublin all my life. Um, so um, I began as a chef in Dublin. Uh, I did uh, culinary arts in uh, DIT Dublin, when it used to be called DIT. Um, and with that then, uh, I just kind of um, worked throughout the city, really, in lots of different iterations, uh, lots of different kitchens. Um, you know, some of the most notable really were working in Brother Hubbard. I was the head chef there for three years. Um, I worked with in El Mulligan Grocers and Stony Batter. I had a small stint in Le Cervan, uh, working with Martina Delaney on the wines and things. Um, and then that led me on to starting my own business, uh, which I was always very interested in, um, which didn't stick around for that long. Um, it was called Pipley. Um, and it was a healthy food delivery service. So it's kind of like, um, it's basically what you see happening in most places around the, around the, the streets these days. Uh, but this was about four or five years ago when I started this. Um, I think it was a little bit before its time. Um, so uh, we ran it for about a year and a half and then decided it just wasn't, you know, it just wasn't that feasible to continue on. Uh, it was basically like a healthy takeaway uh, in, in a small area of Dublin. Um, so yeah, that was my first kind of foray into kind of entrepreneurial, entrepreneurialism and, uh, having my own business. Um, and, and when that closed, it was, you know, it was a bit of a shock. I never thought it was going to close, but it did. Uh, so, you know, I kind of had to understand and realize, okay, what's next? What's that? What's, what's next after kind of 
you know, owning your own business, specifically in food. Um, so I wasn't sure whether I wanted to go back into the kitchen or like, you know, do something else. Um, and I finally decided that, yeah, I'm going to do something that I've always wanted to do. And I started and went and worked in the Dublin Cookery School as a tutor. Can I um, ask you, whenever you were studying, did you always feel that you wanted to have your own business at some stage? Did you know back yeah, then what you wanted to do? Absolutely, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm not sure where that vein came in my uh, in my being, but yeah, always been quite entrepreneurial and wanted to kind of do my own thing. Is that something that you maybe grew up with? Was your family, did you have self-employed people in your family? Were any of them? No, in... no, it was just quite strange, actually, yeah, because... Um, not really at all, to be honest. Um, so, you know, I think most of it actually came from my partner, Alex, who, again, is very uh, entrepreneurial, very kind of uh, like-minded. And he was actually a partner in Pipley as well. So we, we started it together. So we always knew we kind of wanted to do our own thing and, you know, um, run a business. And I think, you know, just together, you know, and, and being together for so long, we just uh, clicked on that side and wanted to kind of do something in that vein. So, yeah having worked in lots of different kitchens and it's great to hear that you have a West Limerick connection there with brother Hubbard because Garrett is is from down round this neck yes, of the woods and, yeah. and we're delighted now that his latest venture the farmhand coffee is available yeah. from the treehouse at the woodlands it's fabulous coffee but you've obviously met a lot of people and developed a great network of contacts and we're going to explore a bit more about that whenever we talk about the schedule of events that you have coming up in the cookery school but tell us a bit more about how Sprig was born great name love the name Sprig it's a great name yeah Yeah. that's um not too sure it it just came from necessity really like I I wanted something you know fresh and you know catchy uh so you know that's where it came from I suppose but yeah like so I suppose to bring it back a small bit after Pitley um I went and worked in the Dublin cookery school as a tutor uh, and, and I worked there whilst doing uh, a master's. So when I closed the business, I wanted to, you know, move on in my education because I only had um, my culinary arts degree. I wanted to kind of move on and also do something I wasn't used to doing. So that was teaching people and, and then teaching myself or learning. So I did a master's in culinary innovation and food product development whilst working in the cookery school. Uh, and from there, then it kind of just led me into as well as after the cookery school, it just led me into a lot of different jobs, working on kind of business development, entrepreneurialism, uh, food product development, um, and everything in my life in that sense was going really, really well uh, and growing and growing and growing. And then unfortunately, the worldwide pandemic hit and a lot of uh, the place where I was working with, Sprout & Co in Dublin City, I was working on basically innovation for that company. So basically growth, absolute growth. Um, international growth er- everything to do with growth but when you know a pandemic like we've seen hit growth is obviously the first thing that has to you know be called and, and stop so uh, I found myself without a job uh, and just wanting to you know react to that I suppose um, I just moved into a lovely house with it and we worked a lot of t- t- we we worked a lot on building the kitchen of my dreams, which I've got. And uh, so we decided to, um, you know, showcase that. And I ended up doing a lot of classes for friends, a lot of classes for family, for the new neighbors. Uh, and it kind of just evolved then into, you know, something that I could actually put a business around and, and launch. 
when you were designing the kitchen for the new house, did you have teaching in mind or was it just more uh, to no, do with an entertaining not, not, space? Not necessarily at all, but more so just space for um, entertaining. Um, a really bad time to build a space for entertaining because hardly anybody has seen the kitchen yet. But um, yeah, it's it's just it's a lot of space, so um, it gives a, it just gives then the the space then to work as a cookery school too. Yeah, but no, never in my mind. It, Sprig came together very very quickly after a lot of you know online kind of sourdough classes for friends and neighbors and different things. Uh, I got such great feedback from it. I just kind of decided to you know put a little bit of structure around it and. My first class was a Valentine's cookery class in February, February 14th. And what, what are we now? Um, coming on May. Um, so it, it, it hasn't been long, but it's gone from strength to strength. Um, really, really busy. So I'm delighted. And obviously they're online classes as opposed to in-person classes. And have, yeah. you, have you done in-person teaching before in the past? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, so as a, as a senior tutor in the Dublin Cookery School, that's where I uh, I started really. I remember my very first day. Uh, I'd never done any formal teaching before, and obviously you need to uh, get straight into it really. So I remember Linda. She uh, told me, "Okay, come in tomorrow and run a class, run a, a Middle Eastern cooking class." And obviously I'm well used to Middle Eastern cookery with being uh, working in the Brother Hubbard, but. I had to stand up in front of twenty people and just run a class and do a class and. Thankfully, it went very well, uh, and I was offered the job on the spot. Uh, and then, yeah, I worked with the cookery school for about two years. Um, yeah, and loved it. The, there's um, starting out, I was either going to—I I felt like I was either going to be a teacher or a chef. And I think my love of food just led me down that path rather than uh, teaching. But now that I'm able to kind of bring those two together, it's. Uh, it's nice to come full circle, I suppose. Absolutely, because obviously teaching skills are very different from cooking skills and the communication, being able to communicate how you yeah. do things is very important. Do you find that it's more challenging whenever you're doing it online? It is more challenging because, you know, you don't have as much control over everything that's happening. So in the cookery school, we would be able to set up the stations. We'd be able to organize all of our ingredients for everybody. You know, we'd be able to, you know, we would have one or two tutors around, you know, looking over the shoulders of people if they needed it uh, and then helping anything that, you know, was bound to go wrong. And um, unfortunately, when you're, you know, on uh, cameras and I'm in other people's homes, it's, you know, it's, it's much harder to help I suppose, other than just kind of giving as much guidance as possible. So there's a lot of different ways that I try and do that. You know, uh, I try to make sure that everybody goes at their own pace, you know, and then they follow along with me, like, you know, follow behind me rather than, you know, doing everything at the exact same timing as me. Um, as well as, you know, giving good details of, of, of prep and stuff like that before the class. Uh, but it is, it is definitely a, a barrier, like, or not a barrier, but it, it is much more complex than doing an in-person class, yeah. Well, well, just talk me through one of your classes. So say, let's look at Friday the 14th of May. You have a collaboration with Rua Foods with vegan and gluten-free baking. If I sign up to that, just talk me through the different steps involved. Great. So, yeah, so you'd sign up for the class. You'd just pay for it online um, and you will then receive an email with, you know, a little bit of a blurb about the class uh, as well as... Um, 
for this class specifically you're speaking about, we have all the ingredients included. Uh, so we're working with a company called Drop Chef, who are based in Dublin, uh, and they provide kind of meal kits um, or, you know, um, ingredients for you to cook your own meals at home. Uh, so I'm working with them to deliver the ingredients for all of our chef collaboration classes, which are coming up, which include this Rua Foods class. Um, so what that what we'll do then is you receive your ingredients in the post, uh, and then you just sign on to the Zoom class at the at the designated time. And for that class with Alice uh, from Rua Foods, which is really exciting. I actually worked with Alice in the Dublin Cookery School. That's how I know Alice. Um, and she went on to do her own venture while I went on to do mine. Um, and we're making uh, some of the kind of cult classic favorites of Rua Foods, which are the, the peanut butter bites, uh, a lovely kind of vegan and gluten-free chocolate tart. Uh, and the class is just structured, you know, very informally, you know, like it's, it's, it's really supposed to be, you know, a bit of fun, you know, a bit of a kind of a conversation about food versus this is what you have to do next, follow along. Um, so, you know, it'll, it'll be a bit of informal chat. Um, we'll be making the dishes as we go, giving some tips and tricks about kind of vegan and gluten-free cookery specifically for this class uh, and hopefully end up with some uh, nice uh, nice desserts at the end of it. Yeah. So at the end of it, the person that's done all the hard work has something lovely to exactly. enjoy themselves or to, to share yeah. with family at home. And it's yeah. great to hear about all the different collaborations, you know, and using other companies like Drop Chef because... I think if you were to try to do everything yourself, those aren't necessarily yeah. your areas of expertise. So, you know, to have that business acumen to realize that, that that's the best way to do it, you've obviously accumulated so many other different skills through your career to date and all the different jobs that you've had. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, like um, I've always worked in food, but in lots of different iterations of food. So I, I worked with a company called Lunch Team for about a year and a half. Uh, and they focused on corporate catering. So basically that was building relationships with re all, a lot of restaurants around Dublin uh, to source the food for corporate offices in Dublin. Uh, and then obviously working with Sprout, that, that, uh, that role was very much, you know, um, an entrepreneur's responsibility, really. Like, you know, everything was kind of um, big projects, um, you know, and, you know, big budgets. And it just needed kind of, a lot of business acumen and I think I learned that very well from obviously opening and closing Pipley uh, as well as then doing the masters um, I, uh, when I finished the masters as well I did a degree in project management and um, so yeah I think a culmination of all of those things just kind of led to uh, hopefully a bit of common sense when it comes to uh, running my own business. And have you seen a trend in your your clients profile your students profile I should say you know, are they a certain age? Are they a certain gender? Or is it people from all walks of life, all ages that are taking part and signing up? Yeah, it's actually quite interesting. I think it's really people from all walks of life. So, you know, some classes I'll have a full family uh, on where like, you know, they just probably haven't seen each other for a while and, you know, specifically with COVID. Uh, so, you know, I'll have four or five people who are chatting to themselves and like, how do you guys know each other? And they'll be from a, a full family group or a group of friends. Uh, demographic wise again you know it, it really really changes you know we've got a lot of people from you know the corporate world from you know offices and people who just want to uh, learn a new skill and then we've retirees um, as well as just you know a big mix uh, we're planning some kids courses as well over summer so again you know it's it's, it's really diverse which is which is great to see 
because you know you're not just stuck to one kind of demographic it's brilliant let's talk in specifics then about the courses that you have coming up so every week you're doing different cookery courses or cookery lessons and then you have your collaborations just tell us firstly about what you do on a weekly basis and what you offer to people yeah so um i break down the classes into three different uh, aspects so one is basics the second is technical and the third is explore or exploration so and um, the basic classes kind of cover you know just the basic techniques that you need to learn to kind of, you know, have a little bit more confidence in the kitchen. So, you know, that can be anything from like bread baking or baking, um, you know, to knife skills. Um, and then you go into the more technical, which, you know, um, you know, you probably have a, a person on a technical class who, you know, likes to cook, but, you know, maybe struggling getting their sourdough right or, you know, getting their shoe pastry right or something like that. So the technical classes focus on that and you definitely find that you've got more foodies on those classes. Um, and then I suppose the most diverse class that a lot of people like to book onto are the explore classes. Uh, and these really kind of just explore cuisines uh, so in, a, in a broad sense. Uh, so, you know, we look at Mexican cuisine where we do tacos and churros and a lot of different kind of authentic uh, dishes. We've got Spanish tapas um, as well as uh, the Italian favorites class. Um, so, yeah, like, you know, there, there, there are three different types of classes. And I think what I like to do is just have, you know, have it as accessible for everybody, really. Um, constantly changing up the classes, changing up the menus, to kind of keep it fresh. And I suppose one of the best things about it since I've since I began is the amount of people who have actually rebooked a class. So uh, that's, you know, I'm absolutely delighted about that. Um, and it, it's great because, you know, we're, I'm on first name basis with quite a lot of people now after the classes, you know, so it, it's great to just build that network of, of foodies really. Um, and yeah, and just keep growing hopefully. So there's a fantastic program with your, your guests, um, teachers, um, if, you, if that's the best way to describe them, the collaborations. May, June and July and we've talked about Rua Foods and I'm delighted to see that the next one after Rua Foods is with a Belfast man, Brian, via Rebel Ramen. It's a ramen yep. masterclass. Tell us about that collaboration. I had heard about Bia Rebel a lot and seen them all over Instagram and other places. So um, I first had uh, Bia Rebel uh, when they were doing a pop-up in uh, Levis Corner House in uh, Bally de Hub. And we were on uh, just a bit of a wild Atlantic way uh, road trip, traveling through Cork and Kerry and all the way up into Galway. And we kind of pilgrimaged there because we knew it was on um, because I'd always wanted to try it. Um, and the food was just phenomenal. Um, so when, you know, Sprig came along, you know, I definitely knew that Beer Rebel was one of those places where, you know, I wanted to learn from and I wanted to learn from Brian as well. Uh, and so then when, you know, we, when I thought about having these collaborations, you know, and inviting more people in to, you know, teach and, and to learn from, um, yeah, they were just one of the people who were at the top of my list. Um, so yeah, I just contacted Brian and Jenny and yeah, we're, I think the, they are, they're already doing their meal kits, obviously, uh, which are going phenomenally well and they're doing them across the UK and Ireland. Um, but I think what our class is going to bring is just a little bit more, you know, information behind the meal kits, really, like, you know, we're going to be talking a lot about, you know, the the ingredients that you'll actually uh, get and, you know, why we use those ingredients, you know, and how we make the, how the flavours come through and, you know, a bit of a history around ramen. Brian is incredibly passionate about ramen 
Uh, I've spoke to him a couple of times now, and we end up just chatting on the phone for for a very long time, just about you know all our different experiences with Raman and all the shows that we'd be watching about Raman. So yeah, he's incredibly passionate. I'm really really looking forward to that class, just for me to learn as well, versus uh, for everybody else. Yeah, that one sounds absolutely great. Like they all sound great. The the next one that you have after Brian is a Monday the thirty first of May, and it's summer dining with uh, Tiller and Grain. Yes, so uh, Claire, um, Claire was uh, or is a friend of a friend. She's now very much my friend. Um, when we when she opened Tiller and Grain first, um, you know, as she was a friend of a friend, I helped her out with a couple of things, getting set up in Dublin. She had come over from London. Um, so yeah, we've just kind of built a relationship since then. And, and Tiller and Grain, they're based in Dublin on Nassau Street. Um, you know, if you look at their Instagram or, or follow them, the attention to detail they put behind the food. No, it's all very accessible food. It's very, very, you know, easy food to uh, to make. But the ingredients and the kind of the, the way she plays around the flavors of the food is just phenomenal. It's great for kind of, you know, picnic style, you know, summer dining. And um, so, you know, we're uh, planning basically, you know, almost, you know, a selection of different kind of fresh salads, I think, for for that class. And you know, it, it's definitely one of the best places around to do that. Again, Claire is on the ball with the, the meal kits um, and they're selling out absolutely every week. You know, I don't know how she has the time to even look at doing our class because she's so busy. But uh, again, it's another one of those that I'm actually really, really excited for. Um, just so I can actually get to eat the food afterwards too, I think. <laughs> absolutely. And I think, gosh, that's one of the, the huge benefits of it as well, that you don't have to travel anywhere. It's in the comfort of your own home, so you can have your glass of wine with it if you exactly. if you so yeah. choose. And yeah. you aren't limited then to the number of people that you can have in the classes as well. Exactly. I suppose there is, you know, there is an upper limit really, you know, because, you know, if, if everybody, it, it is hard to, you still like a little bit of engagement with everybody too, you know, and it is hard to run a, a much wider class, a bigger class. I've done quite a few corporates now and, you know, sometimes they go upwards of 50 or 60 people. Um, and, you know, you kind of want to be able to give everybody their own little piece because it is in everybody's, you know, own personal home. They're not actually experiencing it with their teams. They're, they're home alone or with their family. Uh, so, yeah, it is nice to be able to kind of keep the numbers quite, quite low, around 30 or 40, just to kind of make sure that everybody is kind of getting the most out of the class. And if they've got a question, it can be answered well and like, you know, a bit of a more communication going on with everybody versus, you know, just signing on a load of people because they can. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's really important. You've mentioned the corporate market there. Have you found that a lot of the, the big companies whose staff are working at home now, who normally they might have social events and out exactly. on a Friday night, for a few drinks after the the office is finished that they are they're doing things for their staff so that they can have get virtual get-togethers exactly yeah um since the since the beginning um i've just been kind of inundated with people looking for staff events you know because i think there's there's a limit to what you can actually do to get everybody involved at home and, and cooking is one of those things that actually i feel brings people together because you know it's something that everybody does, it's something that everybody eats, you know, so learning a new skill like cooking, uh, especially with your teammates and stuff, it really does, you know, end up kind of being a very, very fun night. And as you said, you can have your glass of wine on the side as well, you know, and have a bit of a laugh. A lot of the time with the corporate events, you know, they usually then after the class, they, they take over and, and then enjoy themselves, you know, having their, you know, team debates and everything else in the class. But 
it was definitely one of the um, core um, parts of the business that I really wanted to focus on um, because just because of lockdown and because of the, the distance of teams, a lot of the places that I'm working with are, are saying that they probably won't be getting back into the office until at least next year, no matter what happens with the lockdown. Um, so one of the things that I had developed from the very beginning is the, the Sprig kind of corporate wellness program. And what that does is um, it gives um, corporate offices and clients and their wellness committees and HRs, it basically allows them all, all of their staff to access the, the Sprig platform of live classes every week. So the, the company basically signs up and um, all of their employees then have access to the Sprig platform for them to use from their own home with their families, with their friends, or join up with their team to um, do a team event. Um, so yeah, it's it's one of the things I'm getting a lot of interest in, which is brilliant for me because you know it gives me access to a much wider audience, and it's good for the companies too because they're able to give their staff something meaningful to allow them to kind of um, you know learn a new skill as well as get together with their friends and and teammates. So yeah, it's one thing I'm really excited about. Before we finish up, I want to ask you about a couple more of the collaborations. First of yes. all, Niall Sabongi, who I've seen in action doing cookery demonstrations at various different events and had the fabulous Claw and the Claw Cafe yes. in um, in Dublin city centre. I just love his food. It's amazing. Tell me about the Father's Day weekend special that he's doing with you. Yes. So, you know... Um... One of the classes that I wanted to do again from the beginning is a technical class all about fish. And, you know, Niall was actually one of the reasons why I began the collaborations because, you know, I know a lot about fish, but I know Niall knows an awful lot more. Um, and with his experience with all of the restaurants and, and his experience in Dublin City, he now has the new saltwater grocery opening this week in, in Terenure, which is a lovely grocer and fishmongers. Um, which I'm really looking forward to getting out to, uh, as well as the Salty Boy truck, which is actually just down the road for me. And I'm very, very lucky uh, to be able to go down there and get my fish and chips and lobster rolls and things. Um, I reached out to Niall specifically because I wanted to be able to offer uh, uh, my clients and, and the customers on Sprig um, the fish to be able to um, fillet it and, and prep it. And I was looking for a partner. So SSI Seafood was just, you know, was, they were the first people on my mind. And um, so I just, again, I just contacted Niall, told him exactly what I wanted to do. And he was all for it. Again, you know, I think chefs are a very um, accessible group of people. You know, a lot of people don't think about it, but, you know, chefs, they're teaching people constantly in the kitchen. They're teaching their, their peers recipes. Like, you know, they're constantly looking for feedback, you know, on their, and the flavors of the food and things. So, you know, like reaching out and chatting with all these people so far has just been very humbling because everybody is just really liking the idea of giving back and obviously i think now a lot of people are really uh, missing their customers coming into their stores you know what i mean they miss that bit of um th those chats and you know that that feedback so i'm delighted that we can actually give that you know during our classes to you know get some feedback from the customer as well as teach them and actually have that kind of human connection again um with customers which you know a lot of these chefs i think are are, are really seeing with the that's what the chef collaborations are working so well hopefully i've been working with a, a hotel in adair at the moment um the dunraven arms hotel because the transition year students can't get out for work experience at the moment the dunraven came up with this great idea that we would do zooms with them and i would interview different people in the dunraven different in different roles to give the students an insight 
into how nice it is to work in hospitality and what a great choice of career it is. And recently, something that I was reminded of whenever I was talking to the head chef, Chris Starr, in the Dunraven was that Food in the Age, the event that J.P. McMahon would run in Galway, Danny Barry was at it one year and she is a Michelin star chef. She's from Northern Ireland and, you know, I've met her at a couple of different events and then I was talking to another chef, female chef from Dingle and I had said to Louise and Dingle, like, would you like to do a stage with Danny? Because this is a big thing, isn't it, among chefs about going and doing stages with each other where you just go in and work in the kitchen for a few nights. So anyway, we started that whole conversation and Louise went up to Belfast for a few nights and worked in Epic in in Belfast with with Danny and I actually had arranged to go up the same weekend to, to meet friends and we went to Epic ourselves and I got into the kitchen as I told the students not to do any cooking. I'm sure they would have let me do a few dishes, but that would have been the height of it. And I just think what you're saying there about stu- about chefs being so open-minded and so open to new opportunities and different opportunities and being very supportive of each other. It's a great community to be part of. And I think your initiative with all these different classes and bringing different chefs in is, is real proof that that does exist. Um, the final one we'll talk about then is the Open Fire Caribbean Cooking. This sounds really interesting. So tell us a bit more about that class. Yeah, so so Nick or uh, yeah Nick Reynolds is the 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 person behind Lil Porty, uh, and that's basically a Caribbean um, Caribbean style. Um, it's very hard to pinpoint exactly the type of food he does because you know he draws on a lot of different inspiration. But it's a Caribbean style pop up that was going really really strongly in Dublin. And obviously, uh, with lockdown and things like that, a lot of that had to change. Um, but Nick, um, I'm not sure if you follow him on Instagram or anything, but if you don't, I do recommend you do. I think it's Nico Reynolds is his tag. Um, he, he cooks every single day, and the food he cooks is just absolutely phenomenal. Like he really draws on those kind of um, Caribbean flavors uh, using kind of Caribbean ingredients, but as well as kind of really good Irish ingredients too. So it's about really accessing those um, flavors while it's using the best of Irish ingredients. Uh, and it's just someone that really inspires me because... He, like me, I, I really like cooking on coals and, you know, barbecuing and, and open fire cooking and stuff like that. Um, so the class is basically all about how to do that correctly. I think we all know, uh, specifically during summer when we get invited to somebody's barbecue and you end up just having burgers and sausages, it can be, it can get a little bit, uh, it can get a little bit boring. Uh, so anytime I'm ever having a barbecue, I like to kind of spice things up a bit, if you know, and looking at marinades and rubs and, you know, and using vegetables on the barbecue versus, you know, the, the, the usual uh, burgers and, and, and sausages. So that's what that, this class is all about. It's about how to kind of build, uh, build and use a fire and use coals to cook versus a gas barbecue. Um, so weather, permit, weather permitting, we'll be doing it all in the garden. Um, if the weather is against us, we'll be doing a couple. We'll be doing the same ingredients and things, and we'll be just talking through it um, in the in the kitchen. Uh, but yeah, Nick is really really passionate about it. He's going from strength to strength. Uh, you should watch the space with Nick. He's going to be a, a, a big name in Ireland very very soon. It's, uh, he probably already is. Uh, but yeah. And you mentioned Instagram there. Are you on Instagram? Is that the best place for people to go to to get more information about what you're up to and the different courses? It is, yeah. 
It absolutely is. Uh, we have a newsletter that you can sign up to too on the website, spraycookery.com. But again, the, the Instagram handle is just at spraycookery. Um, yeah, that's, you know, I, I find specifically now as well during lockdown, like, you know, it is one of those only places that you can converse with like-minded people, you know, and with food, you know, people eat with their eyes. So, you know, by being able to have Instagram and, you know, share pictures of food and pictures of ingredients and, you know, pictures of cooking techniques and stuff, um, it has been a really good outlet for me to be able to um, share. Uh, so, yeah, um, definitely, if you'd like to follow the story, Sprig Cookery on Instagram. Fantastic. Well, listen, it's been lovely to talk to you, Eamon. Congratulations on your new venture and just being very entrepreneurial. It's great to see it. And we wish you all the best with it. And do keep in touch with us and let us know about the autumn program of events whenever you have those launched. Absolutely. Yeah, there's uh, lots of names lined up. So, yeah, watch the space. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and just before the break we heard from Eamon Lynch from Sprig Cookery School and earlier on in the programme Helen Cook from This Winding Life was talking to us about soda bread. Now before we finish up tonight you might remember that I gave a shout out last week to the label design competition from 8 Degrees Brewing. We'll stand by for more details. Hi, I'm Caroline from 8 Degrees Brewing and I'd like to tell you about the original Gravity 2021 label artwork competition that we're running at the moment. We are offering a thousand euro prize for each of five winners and each artist will be promoted and their artwork featured on a beer label for one of our 8 Degrees 2021 limited edition beer releases. They'll be all coming out later this year. So if you want more information on the competition, drop me a line at Original Gravity at 8degrees.ie or just check out 8degrees.ie website for more information. And best of luck. And that was Caroline Hennessy from 8 Degrees Brewing and best of luck if you decide to enter. And that is all we have time for tonight. Thanks for listening and to my guests, Helen Cook, and Eamon Lynch. And until next week, bon appétit. Do you want to get in touch with the best possible taste? Do you want to come on, share a recipe, review a cookery book, or just have a general chat about what you like to eat and drink? All you have to do is get in touch with me, Sharon Noonan, by sending an email to s.noonan at live.ie or send me a tweet at Queen of Org. Bon appétit.